Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Leslie O'Dell, Clinical Director of Medical Optometry America. Dr. Jim Timmons, a well-known name in medical optometry, is the Chief Medical Officer of this new organization that provides a turnkey system for a sustainable medical model for practices. Dr. O'Dell, welcome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for um, allowing me to, you know, participate in this podcast. I listened to it for a long time, and it's fun to be able to be a part of it. Um, so thank you for all all you do to kind of help educate eye care the eye care world, it's if you will. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Medical Optometry America really really has the same vision that I feel like I've had my whole career. I am a residency trained optometrist. I completed a ocular disease based residency at the Baltimore VA Hospital um, in about 2004. And from there I worked in a busy ophthalmology practice, co-managing surgical, you know, and ocular disease for a, a long time. And then I jumped into a, a private OD practice, which was really to focus on um, a niche of, of dry eye. So I, I opened the Dry Eye Center of Pennsylvania through that practice. And it, it was wonderful, but it also taught me a lot. It taught me um, that I really did like that medical focus and I missed it, you know, when I was having to do sometimes, you know, more routine care or a vision plan based care. Um, and, and really, the reason that I felt that way was kind of twofold. I was running into patients who did have dry eye, who were contact lens wearing patients, but I I really struggled with the education side of that. You know, they were there for their contacts. They didn't really have any care about whatever else I was going to educate them about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never experienced that when I was working in the ophthalmology practice, you know, same with the challenge that I was facing with, you know, convincing. That's what I felt like I had to convince people to want to have a proactive role in their eye health by even, you know, having their eyes dilated on the exam. So it was, it was a lot of frustrations, I think, that I was dealing with working in that private OD practice that, that had me start seeking other opportunities. And in about the end of 2019, I, I kind of found my way to Medical Optometry America. They have been um, in a planning phase for about the past two years. So it was, it was good that our timing just sort of aligned and um, I could make the leap um, into this opportunity. That's great. And so um, interesting combination of words, medical, but definitely optometry. It's, uh, this is optometry based? Absolutely. Yep. So really what the vision for Medical Optometry America, you know, everyone's getting pushed to be paying more attention to medical eye care um, within their private practices or within a integrated setting. We we know that it's the future of eye care. There's so many disruptors that are happening that are taking traditional, you know, re- refractive care and, and actually putting it online. But some, some of the statistics I saw, I, I really didn't realize how much the need was there. So mm-hmm. for every one ophthalmologist, there's about 17,000 patients. So there's this growing demand for medical eye care and the supply of our surgeons is sort of stagnant. It's not mm-hmm. growing and it really is up to optometry to kind of take over any non-surgical care or 
really to be able to practice to your full scope. So if you're, you know, in a, in a state where you can do things like laser laws um, and SLTs and YAGs, great. Um, I'm in Pennsylvania, so I, I am really doing all non-surgical mm -hmm. um, eye care. So that's an interesting point because you, you say this is, you know, essentially this is optometry's wheelhouse. Um, and and the, the, the one truth here is that the demand is going to continue to increase. If optometry doesn't do it, what happens? Well, we're seeing that happen already as well. And it's actually other professions start to take over. Mm -hmm. So we see this with nurse practitioners and um, PAs that are within sometimes even ophthalmology settings, sometimes in a hospital-based setting, um, sometimes in a family doctor setting where they want to have that diabetic eye exam there and, and also in urgent care settings. So I feel like it actually falls completely outside of our profession, which is, is a very scary thing. Right. Right. So what, um, obviously medical optometry America is, is one avenue and, and we'll, we'll hear more about that, but in the, in the meantime, you know, um, because right now it's, it's you in Shrewsbury, um, and, and obviously expansion plans, but in the meantime, what can or should, um, practice owners, associates, what, what should optometrists be doing, you know, this month? Well, I would say that, you know, just in general, um, what we are experiencing because of things like the pandemic is a, a greater backlog of patients. Mm -hmm. So I know that some surgical practices I've heard, you know, are pushing their medical care back, you know, as far as 2021 now, because they're trying to get through their surgical cases. So one really good thing to promote yourself within the community would be to reach out to the surgeons that you already have a, a relationship with and say, you know, what can I do to help? I have X, Y, and Z. Most of us have technology like an OCT. We're very comfortable doing things like diabetic eye care, glaucoma management, macular degeneration. I would just reach out to the the connections that you have and ask, you know, how you can partner and maybe help, help to offset some of that backlog. Interesting. So, so coming to, to medical optometry America and, and your, your spot there, um, what makes that different than a, for lack of a better word, traditional optometric practice? Great point. So um, Ken Krieg is the CEO of MOA, and he is a tremendous leader in business, I will say. So he was one of the first to start urgent care in the 80s, and he has been a very successful um, business leader throughout his career. We know him most through PRN Nutraceuticals. He is behind that as well. So the the company is under an umbrella called Acumen Health Holdings. And through his work, even with PRN, he started to see the need for this medical optometry America. What I think that MOA brings to the optometrist is a few things. One is it's a network, right? So I'm going to be their first location here in Pennsylvania, but they have a big vision for franchising this idea across the country and already are in talks with doctors that are interested in that opportunity in, in places like Chicago and, and New York um, as we speak. But what that franchise opportunity allows the doctor is 
a few things in my mind. One is really just a network of doctors that are like-minded that we can, you know, work together, learn together, um, and have that, you know, brotherhood or sisterhood, if you will, of just this upper echelon of doctors interested in doing this medically focused eye care to work through problems, whether it's, you know, a disease state or, you know, how do you talk to the family doctors to get the patients in your door kind of thing. Um, that's one of the things I'm excited about is just having other doctors that kind of share um, the same ideas that I do. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, I thought about opening a practice now for the past 15 years. And when it got down to it, a couple things for me were always, I wasn't trained in business. You know, a lot of optometrists, we don't get that in our schooling. There are a few of us that are really good at business and really good at eye care. Um, and I just was personally fearful of, of how I would do in that role. Mm-hmm. So I have um, an organization to help me with things like HR problems. So I have them helping with staffing at my location. A big, big chunk of this is going to be marketing, right? Because yes, eye doctors know that the future of eye care has is medical eye care, but the public doesn't know that. And there's a lot to work through on that level that is going to take a big marketing effort that one doctor alone, you know, in any area is not going to be able to make as big of an impact I don't believe as something, you know, like MOA. So the push really with that is to educate the public and the referring doctors outside of ophthalmology, what optometrists are, you know, sometimes the conversation is still people don't know the difference between ophthalmology, optometry, and even an an optician. Mm -hmm. So first of all, making sure that we're continuing to educate the public and also just saying, hey, a lot of what you need in, in your eye care, you know, over your lifetime can be done by a trained optometrist um, and also pre- preventative care, right? So people mm-hmm. usually are waiting until they can't see or, you know, something's really gone wrong to get in the doors and, and there's going to be a big push um, to continue with preventative care. And we have... Um, kind of changed that routine eye exam to something that we're calling the MOA annual eye physical um, in hopes to kind of instill that feeling amongst patients that when you're coming to, you know, an MOA eye doctor, you're getting a complete eye health exam. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so do you have an optical or will you have an optical? Um, so I will not have an optical at all. And so I really am hoping to be able to partner with my colleagues that are in my area that, you know, can provide those services. I will be able to do a refraction, you know, much like I did when I worked in an ophthalmology practice. We didn't participate with vision plans, but I could do a refraction and give you your prescription, which you could then take wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, may be part of the exam at times, but but a lot of times, you know, that might also just go to the neighboring optometrist practice that is optically based and, and wanting to be doing that care. Interesting. So are ODs in the country doing enough medical care today? You know, I think it depends. I know it, it, it really depends on who you're talking to. So I'm involved in a lot of groups, one of, one of which is the Intrepid Eye Society. And so I get a skewed view of reality because they are all heavily medically based. But when you look at the numbers, you know, across the board, 
for the 40,000 optometrists, they still say a 60-40 split, sometimes 70-30 split, where the 60 and 70% is still um, optical based. So Mm -hmm. I would say there's a lot of room for growth in medical services. But what I've also learned over the years is that optometrists, much like our ophthalmology colleagues, we are very specialized in what we do. And it's hard to get everybody to want to do everything, right? And so Mm -hmm. with there being so many optometrists, it's a great opportunity for collaboration, continued um, collaborative care, because I'm not going to be offering things, for example, like vision therapy, um, low vision services. And I want to partner with, you know, an optometry colleague to do so, much like an opportunity. The other opportunity that MOA is going to bring to optometrists is just the ability to um, acquire certain technology what I've done over the past five months is really spend a lot of time doing a, a deep dive, dive into best practices. So not so much a protocol, but really like what is the best practice when you're dealing with glaucoma from what equipment do you need to what needs to be part of the exam and then kind of trickles into treatment. But but these doctors, like I was saying, aren't we're not there to tell them how to practice. We're there to, to really just give them some resources that they wouldn't have independently and, and be bigger than just one. Right, right. And and that I'm sure um is is demonstrated in your technology. You you mentioned it, but some of the, some of the medical eye care um obviously is 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 fairly technology dependent. What uh you know, would that have been was that one of your hesitations in in thinking about opening your own practice too? Absolutely. You know, and just knowing how to have the conversations with the vendors and the industry, you know, even though I am fortunate also to be able to work with a lot of industry leaders, it's still a conversation that I am not used to doing um, as far as um, negotiating a deal, you know, and that's where a lot of doctors turn to groups that they want to be a part of because they aren't comfortable with that negotiation either. Mm-hmm. Um so, but technology, as I was saying with these best practices, we kind of have a almost like a basic level. Um, take, for example, macular degeneration. Right. So if you are an MOA doctor and we want you to do certain things, one of which would be OCT, that would kind of be basic. You know, again, most doctors that are practicing medically have an OCT in their practice. If not, and you're a new doctor, that would be one of the equipments that Um, pieces that we would want you to have to get started. But maybe at the beginning, you aren't going to be more of the advanced track using something like Adapt um, DX and Dark Adaptation. But that's a place to grow, you know, and it kind of gives you the footprint as to, okay, as my practice grows, as I get some revenue stream, these are the things I'm going to buy next kind Mm -hmm. kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I'm kind of fortunate because I'm going to be the test site or the pilot site for this idea that I get access to all of the technology at the beginning. And so obviously for me, that's, you know, kind of like a kid in a candy store. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, it's almost like I had this dream and then it came true. So um, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled with the technology that I'll be able to have. That's nice. So do you, do you, um, I know obviously, and, and we had talked about this earlier, dry eye was, was your niche, I guess. And um, that will continue to be a part of, of your MOA practice, I'm guessing. 
Correct. Um, and that's the other thing. So um, the best practices are for all the major disease states, but one doctor might be more focused on glaucoma management. Another might be more focused on, um, on dry eye. Um, and the doctor can kind of choose where they want to put their dollars, you know, to focus their efforts. Mm -hmm. um, for me, dry eye is definitely going to still be part of this. Um, and I will have access to actually even a little bit more technology than I had um, already being mm -hmm. able to inter, um, introduce IPL, which was something that I was really looking forward to bring into the dry eye center of Pennsylvania. And now I'll be able to do that here through um, the MOA outlet. Um, in addition to other meibomian gland treatments that I've used, you know, now for gosh, um, eight or 10 years with Lipiflow and, um, and the like. So I'm still going to have that focus, but I'm, I'm really actually looking forward to not that I, I mean, I still do love dry eye, but what I realized when I put myself in the situation that that was most of what I did was that I really missed glaucoma care. That was, mm -hmm. that was where my training began. Um, and I just wasn't seeing that volume of glaucoma patients and that's going to still be the challenge. And that's why, you know, I'm glad that we have the marketing dollars and the, um, you know, the plan, the marketing strategy to reach out and get glaucoma patients to get through the door of the medical optometrist because notoriously they're still trickling into these integrated practices. Um, and, and, you know, that might be because they were there for surgery. That might be because their family doctor told them to go there. You know, there's a, a long list of reasons why that happens, but optometrists, especially, you know, if you have the training in glaucoma are more than capable of taking care of a glaucoma patient you know, and just having the partnership with a glaucoma surgeon or specialist. Really interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking we, we sort of established how the MOA site might be different from kind of a traditional uh, optometry practice, but what makes it different from a multidisciplinary practice other than obvi the obvious that you don't have the MDs on staff? I'm hoping, I mean, honestly, I'm hoping that that's all because that's what I missed. I, I, for me personally, in my role in an ophthalmology practice, I reached a ceiling and I couldn't get any further and there wasn't really opportunity for partnership. I wasn't driving the boat um, and not that I want to be, you know, making every decision. I'd like to be part of a team, but there were things that I wish that I could have done differently, whether it was, you know, scheduling my patients or, um, you know, even just being able to bring in new technology that because I wasn't the owner of the practice, I really struggled to do so. That's mm -hmm. not always the case, you know, especially like I was saying with these intrepid doctors, I know that they are some really amazing um, opportunities in the integrated settings where they are, you know, part of a lot of decision-making and, and, you know, they are treated, you know, with a lot of respect and things. So, um, but my hope is because, I, I just personally wasn't able to find that where I wanted to stay, you know, and I wasn't ready to make a, a big move. Right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty rooted in York County. It's where I grew up, even though I said I never would come back. Here I am. <laughs> um, so Famous there just wasn't, a, <laughs> yes, it, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity, but my hope is that it will feel much the same, um, mm -hmm. you know, like that integrated practice just without the surgeon 
on staff. Now, that being said, because of this idea for franchise, that's the hope is that you would go into an MOA center, whether it is in Pennsylvania or it's in Illinois or in New York, and it's going to feel the same to the patients um, from the way that the waiting room looks to the way the, um, you know, patients are scheduled to the flow of the patients to what kind of care, you know, is going to be expected um, when you go to that practice. So Mm -hmm. that is good from a public standpoint, and hopefully also will continue to grow from the medical side. And when I say that, it's, you know, the ophthalmology, feeling comfortable to be able to refer to an MOA site, and also um, family doctors and other subspecialties to know that these doctors, you know, are well-trained in medical eye care. And, And when do you open, Dr. Odell? Well, we got pushed back to 2021, but I'm going to say that that is not a bad thing. (laughs) So a fresh year, a fresh new start. Um, The opening is right now slated for January 4th, 2021. The other really um, awesome thing, even getting started, one thing that I always was trying to do, you know, in the different practice settings was educate others. So I, I really love teaching, um, speaking, and then having students rotate through. So, um, we actually at MOA are paired with um, New England College of Optometry to start. So we'll be able to bring in their students. We're hoping to also be a place where they're graduating students that are trained and have the desire to be applying this medical training would have a place to go. Nice. So mm-hmm. um, we are partnered with NECO and um, Howard Purcell, and it's really exciting to see that, you know, already happening before the doors open. Yeah. Yeah, that is exciting. So is it just going to be you, Dr. Ardell? Um, No, it's actually, I already have hired an associate doctor. And kind of a funny story, when I left my ophthalmology practice um, five years ago, she was going to be my last student. And because I was leaving, no one was taking over my externship program. And she had to find another place to go, which I felt awful about, you know, years ago. So fast forward to the present time and she was relocating to a more local setting um, Mm -hmm. and was interested in the idea. So Dr. Melissa DeBello is her name and she is going to be starting with me in January. So really excited about that. Dr. Odell, thank you so much for sharing this, this information and and the, the, the vision and the path that, that got you here. Well, yeah, again, thank you so much. If anybody has interest, you know, the website is houses a lot of the information and is continuing to grow as as this concept continues to grow. And that is um, just medodamerica.com. We also have Adam Smith, who is the vice president of membership development and, and franchise sales. And his email we can share um, and is on that website as well to, if any anybody's interested in learning more about MOA for themselves. Great. Thank you for that. It's been a pleasure, Dr. Odell. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.